Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Connecting Dots. Thanks for joining. I'm Paul Truesdell, and joining me is Paul Truesdell, father and son, CEO and chief technology officers of Fixed Cost Financial. This is part two of a two-part series, a deep dive about China and things that, frankly, nobody else is talking about. So with that, what do you say we get started with Connecting Dots, but make sure to read the disclaimer in our show notes before each episode due to our extensive holdings. And those of our clients, you got to understand one thing. You need to assume that we have a position in all companies discussed and that a conflict of interest should be assumed. Are you ready? Let's get started. It's totally mixed signals. and Well, that's it, Bolton's problem. Bolton either has no clue over what's going on, or he's not. No one's listening to him. I mean, well, Bolton's, he's Bolton's national security. He's not involved. In oh, this. I understand this is that. Peter Navarro and um, Lighthizer, absolutely. Both of which should be smart enough to know, and that's why I believe that um, this is a, this is a good example of of uh, regarding the trade war. This is Trump just kind of doing what he thinks he wants to do, and just getting up and tweeting and not consulting people that know better. Because no, not his his trade people actually are quite good from from all you know observation. They have good instincts. Um, it just seems that at times he just does what he wants to do, and that throws you know a wrench in the monkey works, as as the old phrase goes. So, well, you and I have traveled a lot in this country, and you remember when we and and for those who don't know us. We've driven border to border and coast to coast. I don't know how many times we've gone to the goofiest little places. We've had a ball just driving across the country. And my phrase is, you got to get out and sniff dirt. Sniffing dirt's my phrase. I've, it's what you said, you know, about Bloomberg and have their journalists in Hong Kong. But if you're not getting out on the street and talking to people, you really don't know what's going on. And I, that's a big deal to me. You know, I always say this: you got the quantitative analysis, you got the qualitative, you got all the academic and everything else. But you sometimes you just got to get out and, and sniff the dirt. Now, do you remember when we were in Idaho? It was in the, uh, you know, we were having the 2008 recession. Things were pretty lousy. I don't remember what year it was. But we went to one town, and they couldn't hire enough people because they had a... Yeah, that was 2009, and that was in um, Gillette, Wyoming. What was going on? Uh, shale oil boom. They That was when, um, yeah, I mean, that was around the time that China was buying tons and tons of oil. Um, oil prices were through the roof. The recession was in kind of right in the middle of it, and it was kind of rough. And it was unusual to see places that were hiring like crazy and... Yeah, out in the middle of nowhere, you had towns literally popping up out of nowhere. One of the things I always like to do is I like to go and find the local law enforcement and find a, a, t- a talkative cop. Oftentimes, I I don't know how I'm able to do it, but usually I can get a, a sheriff or a chief of police or somebody who's a commanding officer to open up to me. And they could they were having a hell of a time. They just couldn't hire people because no one was... Why did you work for $40,000 well, a, a year when you can get a job for one sixty working oil rigs? Remember, Yeah, I remember the guy saying the average length of time uh, on the, for, for a police officer at the city there was like, I think, nine months or eight months. He said as soon as they get off probation and they know get, they got whatever their you know credentials are locked in, they go to work for the oil companies and their idea is that, hey, I'm going to make two, three times what I'm making here. And probably not get killed. And if I need to come back, I can. So I thought we saw that was interesting. The other place that we went to, I don't remember. I thought it was Idaho, though. Um, and I'm almost positive it was Idaho, uh, unless it was Montana. But th- it was the ammunition plant. Remember they were making... Yeah, I can't remember what that was. I don't remember what it was. But they, they, they had first, second, and third shift, and they were just... 
if they could do an extra shift, if there was enough time in the day, they, they needed more. And that's, you know, Obama got elected and everybody was freaking out and they could not make ammunition fast enough. So, I mean, sometimes you just got to get out and sniff the dirt and you can't rely on journalists to do anything. You know, I, I've had my run-ins with journalists for a number of times and you know, I know for a fact that a lot of the journalists in this area, they call their stories in. I mean, they, 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 they do their research from a desk. Nobody gets out anymore. Oh, can you yeah. take a picture and send it in? I mean, there's, there's no real camera crews like there used to be. There's no on-site journalists. They're just, they're just not. And um, No, they're paper pushers like anybody else now. It's, 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 but the other thing is, is it's funny because, you know, the myth of the you know, shoe leather journalist is, is that. It's a myth. Very few of these people ever actually worked. But that you know, number that actually worked is getting fewer and fewer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Except, except, and then we'll go to the electric car things and I'll wrap up with that. Except for the fact that bloggers have taken over that. You know and I know that yeah. there's some of the best damn reporting. Oh, fiddlesticks. What's the name of that business news site? They're always, uh, you and I kind of go to it periodically. I can't think of the name of it. Um, what is the name of that site? It's black and white and... Uh, Anyways, it'll come to me. Bottom line is, there are some people that are doing some really good reporting. Are you referring to Zero Hedge? Yes. Yeah, well, Zero Hedge is not a news site. It's a news collator. I understand that. They're no different than like the AP. They just reel in the information and send it out. They don't really write anything themselves, but they're they're a good aggregator of information. But they have... They're aggregating some sources that nobody ever talks about. Absolutely. That's the thing I was getting at. They may aggregate, but they're bringing in stories that you and I, we will have talked about two or three weeks earlier. And it's like, oh, cool. That's validation for what we were talking about. Unfortunately, with Zero Hedge, um, you do have to take some things with a grain of salt. You know, every time um, Peter Schiff declares, oh, I know, there's another recession that won't, you know, the, the joke about Peter Schiff is he's predicted, you know, 82 of the past four recessions, you know, it's always, sky's <laughs> always falling, you know, by gold. And of course, you know, we all know Peter Schiff is running a gold selling and management operation. So there's that. Um, they're also very hyperbolic and chicken little like. Oh, I don't disagree at all. Economic indicators and things, but they do come up with a lot of very interesting information. Um, they have a lot of quants that are. I would say overly autistic on the patterns of destruction, but they do come across things that are fascinating from time to time. And, and like you said, they do, they do aggregate a lot of different sources of information that is pretty, pretty cool. Um, well, they're one of those sites where I go to and I don't ever read anything that's headline. I'm always looking for the oddball thing. And a lot of times I'll, I'll look at something and go, who the hell is this? And it might be some academic in Boise, Idaho, and the analysis is absolutely spot on and something that I never would have thought on. And that's what I'm saying. I just don't get that very For example, you used to get that with The Economist until um, the CEO, took the new one, took over. The Economist used to be a pretty good little, little, uh, little thing. It was always kind of big, broad pictured. But I got to tell you, some of the best sites we have out there now are, um, are uh, some of the uh, university sites, what I would call C-level universities, where you actually have some guy that actually does real research and, and publishes. I'm not talking about people like Thaler and his uh, misbehaving. I'm talking about people that actually get into, you know, things where you go, wow, uh, I kind of had a feeling about that, but I didn't realize that the correlation was as strong as it is. So, okay. Yeah, so what's interesting. Yeah. So with that, let's use that and use that dovetail and go into the electric car thing. Cause I think, and this is entirely yours. I never made this connection. I think this is absolutely f- phenomenal. And 
And, you know, kudos to you and everybody should know it. So at the beginning of this chat, we I brought up the company that has been deemed too big to fail. And apparently they've invested just tens of billions of dollars into electric car manufacturing facilities and R&D, as you have to do. It's expensive. But why they would be going into electric cars is very interesting. Um, something that this company very clearly did is they knew that when they were on the ropes financially, they had one of two options. If you can play it legit or you can press your luck. These people seem to be very hard on the risk-taking and they pressed their luck and basically said, if, if we have all this debt and we go under, we can take everybody else with us. So let's use that as leverage and force them to pay for what we're going to do. The government has done exactly what they thought they would do. They're too big to fail. They will continue to get you know uh, good terms on loans and get, continue keep the cash rolling in. But the question is, you know, these somebody who's willing to do that, somebody who has that kind of influence in the government. Ultimately, I mean, you know, third largest company in China is definitely going to have a lot of influence and a lot of connections. I think the guy that owns it is one of China's top five wealthiest people. There's there's definitely a lot of. Um, of, of governmental influence there. Why would you go into electric cars? When I, when I read that, I was like, what, why would you invest that much money into electric cars when you're primarily a property development corporation? Obviously you have a lot of money. Any company can do that if you want to diversify, but it's like, why electric cars? In a typical standard scenario, I think you would get from anyone out there would be, well, China needs transportation. They have a growing population in the urban areas. They need to reduce their uh, footprint as far as size of cars. They've got to be affordable. You got, you can't, maybe you can't have gas stations everywhere, but you can have electric refill everywhere. You know, you can see that whole, you can see that whole scenario played out in the lame stream business media. Yeah. And I realize for anyone new listening, this may sound very condescending, but we're not stupid here. We're, we're not dumb. But that would be the typical, and business news sites tend to be a little bit better than, than everything else by a long shot, but that would be the standard play. Yeah, so, you know, those those are obvious kind of like right off the top, obvious things that one would consider. You know, China has, I believe, hundreds of vehicle manufacturing companies. It's it's kind of like a, a thing going on there. They have lots of electric car manufacturers. Tesla's trying to get in on that business. I don't think they will. Remember when your um, mother and I stumbled across uh, the Cherry three-wheel car up in Wilston, Florida? Yeah. It's like, how yeah, do those things ever get in the Yeah. It's like a little tuk-tuk. Golf carts in the villages are got more power than those things. But so so that's an obvious one, of course. You know, it's it's a good long term investment, given that China has a couple, you know, uh, overriding good good supply chain benefits with with electric vehicles. They have all the natural resources. They have the lithium. They have all of the things you would need theoretically to build electric vehicles. Um, they you have those overriding kind of needs. You know, everybody of course wants to transition to electric vehicles. China has an issue going forward. They don't really have much oil. They import almost all of it. So you want to reduce your reliance on oil long term. That's a that it, that is a Chinese government, you know, federal national government directive. They they need to reduce their reliance on oil dramatically. Um, it's just a national security thing. If you don't have it, you can't spend it. So end of story there. And real quickly, if you read any of these you know, uh, do-gooder environmental things, all they do is say, oh, China is so much fantastic, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is all great. They're not doing it 
for environmental purposes. What they're doing it is for national security purposes. Yeah, absolutely. But let's continue with that. And, you know, part of that, you know, parlays into the reality that China's damming tons and tons of rivers. They're building just tons of hydroelectric electric facilities still. They're building, um, I God, I think it was something like, like a thousand nuclear power plants all over the country over the next like hundred years they plan on. So there's a lot of renewable energy based, um, renewable energy sources being implemented all across China. Okay, so that makes sense. Good government, long-term planning. I get it all. You can't fuel, you know, a dyno. You can't. You can't. You can't put dyno juice into into vehicles if you don't have it. They're creating renewable, so you need electric vehicles. Okay, that makes sense. But the other thing I thought of was, this seems like a very rushed thing. You know, we're going to get into car manufacturing, really, you know, really rapidly. Spend a lot of capital up front, build huge facilities to to manufacture these vehicles. The thing I thought of was these people obviously have the inside scoop in in the, the you know the, uh, the Communist Party you know apparatus. If I were to guess, there is one of the major concessions the Chinese will likely have to make going forward to resolve this trade dispute. And and I I personally have doubts that it will happen under the Trump administration, but it, it could. Um, Regardless, one of the biggest concessions they'll have to make, I think, is a reduction in pollution and carbon emissions. China and India account for over 50%, I believe it may be as high as 70, of all the global carbon, uh, of all the of all of the pollution in the world. Most of it comes down to polluting the, the oceans. You can pull up maps. It will scare, scare you if you haven't seen it before, but pull up the pollution it's maps. It's and what you have is you have basically you have a handful of industrializing countries in Africa, you have India, and then you have China that are the majority of the polluters in the entire world. And most of that pollution goes right into the ocean. And just so you know, for but, those of you who aren't old enough, remember, do your research and look at, for example, the Great Lakes, Michigan, Superior. Oh, yeah. It was a mess but years ago. When you go to Lake Erie, Erie used to be so polluted, quite literally, because I was, I was a kid. I remember seeing it. I don't remember what the, the city was uh, on the uh, on Lake Erie, but they literally had a a uh, news team from the local news, and we, we saw it on our channel. I remember my mom and dad were just appalled. They lit a flare, and the fellow said, "Do you want to know how bad Lake Erie is polluted?" And he threw it into the into the lake. Yeah, set the lake on fire. Caught the lake on fire. This whole big section. And I remember my mom and dad. You know, you got to understand who they were and their generation, and they both them back. You know, back then said that's just not right. <laughs> Of course, it's not right. Yeah, it's all. But, but now look at Lake Erie today. Yeah, and, and since since the seventies, since you know nobody ever gives credit, they just demonize Richard Nixon. But since Richard Nixon's administration and the creation of the EPA and all of the environmental protection regulations that were in, that were put into place by him and his administration, the United States is one of the cleanest industrialized countries on the planet. I'm, I'm glad you said that because Wes, I would have missed that. Nixon is truly. Almost like the Adolf Hitler of our political era. Oh yeah, and yet the things that he did that were you know people today would call them leftists, communists. I mean, it's just amazing. But whatever. Yeah. Well, welcome, welcome to the to the polarized American 
political situation. But so, so my 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 thinking is that one of the concessions China may make to settle this dispute is to try and say, oh, we'll, we'll cut we'll cut our carbon emissions and, and and satisfy you that way. That could be a that could be a huge a huge thing. And if if you have the inside scoop, you know, a huge amount of the Chinese plan has seem seeming seemingly been the ability to inject a lot of cash and wait it out and wait for someone who can provide them better terms, meaning wait out Trump. How this China dispute goes away, I think will dramatically, will, will be the biggest the biggest factor on the, the settling of the China dispute, because most people do want it in politics. I mean, everybody, rec- there, there's that's the one thing Trump has not been, you know, crapped all over by literally everybody is the China thing, because most people recognize that it's a problem. People just don't know how to solve it. They may critique the odds and ends and the edges of, of the way he deals with it, but ultimately, most people agree that this is something that it was going to happen regardless, and better now than never. Yeah, he he blew it by simply if if Trump had simply said, "If not now, when? If not me, who?" Exactly. If he had just see the problem I have with Trump, and 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 I I had high hopes that Obama would do things like Nixon, you know, took Nixon to open the door to China, took Nixon to do the EPA, that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, a lot of times, well, here's a classic. It took Reagan to be the most liberal president we've ever had on immigration. Yeah, there's no. It also took Reagan to be the most liberal president we've ever had when it comes to gun control. Yeah, absolutely. And nobody, nobody. I mean, Republicans don't want to know that. Um, oh no, Republic. That's the funny thing is, is both both parties they just idolize their they 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 worship their idols on both ends and refuse to accept the realities of, of, of what their actual policy did downstream. You know, they, they, you know, the left practically ignores LBJ. It's like, it's as if he didn't even ever exist. Oh, oh he, he wasn't God. a Democrat. He was, uh, you know, you just ignore him. He doesn't exist. Well, all the, all the recordings of LBJ. Oh, there's no question. Calling blacks by the N word. And those are out there. I mean, there's, yeah, they are, Google it, it's out there. they are, I mean, he was very, uh, open in his negative attitude. Uh, I'll have them people voting for us for the next hundred years, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's just all under the rug. But where I was going with this is with Trump, you had the anticipation that he would actually do fundamental business things that would be good for the country. And I make no bones about it. I'm anti-illegal immigration because I think it screws over the normal everyday worker in this country, period. End of story. Uh, The little guy in this country, the middle class people in this country are screwed over. When you have an abundance of cheap labor and they're not being paid the same, I mean, I can go through the whole- All the same safety regulations. Yeah. I mean- All the the chicken processing manufacturing company or, or, or chicken processing and or food manufacturing companies related to chicken, they're all, they all are being sued for, for wage control right now. There's a big thing that got announced last week. Uh, they and they were, should be, just like... Because they all went to Destin, Florida, and colluded to control wages. You know... And it, they were then they're using normal, legal and illegal labor. It's a whole thing that's getting ready to blow up. But, but that's what it enables. It enables that type of crap from happening. And it's 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 unfortunate because. But that's what I was saying know, about Trump. A, is like in the you, U.S., you have a situation where you have literally like forty five years of of no net wage growth when you account when you account inflation into it. That's but like, just not right. When, when Trump was running for office, I used to tell people, you know, I, I had a I used to go to 
Steak and Shake. We used to go there quite often for breakfast years ago. And a lot of those people I know voted for Trump who would have voted for Clinton because, and they even said, hey, I did that because of what you said. And I said, this is your only chance at a decent pay raise. You know, everything is supply and demand. And if if you're, if you've got so many people who are applying, and, and they said it, you know, back when the recession was bad, I mean, everybody was walking in for a job. I'll take a job. And if you screwed up, boy, you're out of there. And some of those people were, and I'm not thinking about Steak and Shake, but other places we've been to, they said, especially the cooks and the uh, dishwashers and things like that, hey, a normal kid, black, white, Hispanic, legal, you're not getting a job because I can hire an illegal at half the wage and just pay cash on the table. I mean, we had we were told that so often. Remember, we go all sniffing dirt. So and it just, frankly, pisses me off to no end. That's just not fair. And I used to tell people, if, at least the guy is saying he wants to do something. Well, gee, he hasn't done dick. Um, whether well, he I, wanted to or didn't, whatever. I, well, I wouldn't 100% agree with that. I mean, yeah. the reality is for every job that gets filled, you have three that pop up right now. So there is... There, there is a, there's a benefit on the side of, of the, uh, there's less supply than there is demand right now. And that's good for the workers. You're actually starting to see some marginal increase in wages, thankfully for the first time in a, in a very long time. So there is some movement there. Well, let's it's take California. As, it's just not as significant as it could be. In 40 and years, what has the average wage done in California? You told me, I don't remember what it is. It was like one, it's what the actual real wage has gone up 1%. Yeah, 40 1%, years. 1% in 40 years. And what state has arguably the most liberal immigration policy? California would definitely be it. Yeah. Well, again, correlation is not a causation, but it's one of those things no, where. But it, no, but I mean, California has, has had that problem for, for a long, long time. You know, they just they ignore, they put it off. You know, um, under Reagan, they just straight up legalized everybody. It's uh, remember that know. movie with Kevin Costner called Swing Vote. Yeah, and th- what he was—they were working at a, a plant, and he was bitching about illegals coming in, and they were, you know, yeah, he, <laughs> he was a drunk. <laughs> that, that, and- was, that was that was that was the funniest thing because that movie he 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 referred to it in a term that I think is is it's 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 appalling that it has not been brought up in modern context because his term was hilarious but also so so easy to remember what was that? so true he called it insourcing oh they're insourcing right. labor they're and, insourcing and, and you know of course they you know they he, he looks like a you know a dumb hick like he doesn't understand you know he can't speak properly blah 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 and they're like what are you talking about and he's like oh they they're bringing him in you know well see but that's it's, what but it's but it's a good it's you know yep. it's it's the opposite of outsourcing which was the bane of everybody's everybody's existence during the bush era you know they during the Bush era, they actually had a decent control over over immigration policy to some degree. Um, and then we had Obama who did insourcing it was and basically enabled Silicon Valley to keep actual real people that knew what they were doing and suppressing wages and Steve Jobs as much as I like Steve. He was he was just as much a part of that whole thing. And that yeah, crap's well, still going on. The importation of skilled labor into the United States has been a problem for everybody. It's been a total disaster. You know, from my perspective, that's importing skilled labor from from every nether region of the world is the worst possible thing you could do. Not for the United States, although it's I think you know personally I think that's not not a great idea for the same reason that it suppresses wages. But the primary reason that it's horrible is that you're taking the most capable and skilled people out of places that need those people the most, and you're bringing them in for our you know, for our capitalistic kind of benefit, which is it worth to make, is it worth it to make a little bit more because you were able to suppress wages than it is to have, be able to keep a society in control and stable on the other side of the world? 
I don't think it is. I agree with you. So let's go back. You were, let's go back and finish up. So China is going to get these cars. Yeah, I think it's big like, polluters. We kind of got sidetracked, went sidebar on that. We've got a couple of nations in Africa that are just shitting up the oceans. We got India doing the same thing. We got China doing the same thing. Let's call it the way it is. They're taking a dump in the oceans. We got we got plant life. We got aqua life. We've got you know how many times you have to hear about some whale that has all this plastic in them and everything. Come on. So what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think that them. I think you have just a just somebody taking advantage of of what is going to be a clear opportunity. The Chinese government will say, "Oh, we'll cut you know X Y Z percentages in carbon emissions." Um, they already promised to, according to that Paris Climate Agreement, but we all know they're not going to abide by it. The Chinese government is just placating everybody with that. Um, the only people that could ever actually bring them to heel is the United States. That's not a priority for this administration, so I don't know that that would ever be on the docket. That's why I think that this is part of the contingency plan for settling this dispute with a more amenable administration that takes these type of concerns more into account. Um, if Trump wins re-election, the Chinese are going to have a world of hurt on their hands and they're going to have to solve it using kind of bare-knuckle capitalist quid pro quo. I think ultimately we're going to be looking at a situation of China forever having import tariffs on them, regardless of how it goes. Because there is no stomach to allow them to continue to just dump, you know, cheap goods at no taxes and, and no, you know, it's, it's just, it's not fair when you, it's not fair for a number of reasons. If you have an American company, most of these companies are American in some way, shape, form or another. Um, it's not fair to have an American company be able to take their money, go overseas, pay people less wages, lower standards of living, ultimately abuse a people who is, in, who are industrializing and, and, you know, are basically just doing the best they can to make a few cents on the dollar and then ship it all the way back. That's just, you know, there, nobody nobody can look at that and say that that's 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 Unless a, that's you're a Apple, fair, then everybody gives deal. them a pass. But at least Apple charges enough for their product that they can actually say that they can stomach, you know, consuming some of those tariffs. A lot of these companies have just gone the bare-knuckle competition route. You know, they're selling things that would realistically cost a, mul- a multiple of what they currently cost. And they just turn into, you know, like I said, just bare knuckles capitalists, you know, competition. So now they rely on cheap labor rather than cheap labor padding their profit margins. It's a, it's a complicated, it's a very complicated situation. But ultimately, I think it, it's going to be better if you level the playing field. And it is not as advantageous for this to continue at, at the same rate that it is. Um, the other thing is, I mean, if you're legitimately looking at it from a from an environmental perspective, which I think you should... Um, if you're manufacturing a thing on the other side of the ocean, is it better f- to manufacture it there and then ship it back here where it will be used and then the trash will, you know, within 10 years, that device or that piece of equipment will break and then you ship the broken thing back over there for them to put it in a pile where you can't see it from your nice clean neighborhood? So you're burning carbon, you're creating carbon emissions to send the money over, make the thing, pollute them, send it back, you make you use it, destroy it, then send the trash back over there? Or should you build things that are more repairable? Sure, they don't they're not as cheap, but maybe they last longer and they're made in your backyard and cost a hell of a lot less to transport, but they cost a lot less in environmental impact. I think that, you know, there's a legitimate environmental argument to be had for, you know, re-domesticating manufacturing. 
Absolutely. Um, it's just kind of sad that you don't see anybody talking about it from that perspective because orange man bad he's gonna he's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna put an armband on and he's gonna start marching through the streets with his proud boys or some crazy fantasy that everybody has it's just stupid because you know the reality is and it shows you the failing of the rhetorical prowess of of the man himself he cannot come together with you know reframe the narrative on things that everybody can agree upon i mean the reality is you know the quote-unquote left can make fun of the right for being a bunch of you know cheeseburger eating coal rolling you know hicks but i think there's probably not a person that you could find in this country you know maybe maybe one in a thousand that is legitimately against any 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 common sense you know environmental protections but they treat it as if you know you have one side that wants to you know just cut the forest down and light them on fire to give you know and give you the middle finger and you got the other side that you know wants to live in a grass hut and and wear uh and wear hemp clothing you know it's just that these false dichotomies are just you know they're they're bs and ultimately they're uh it's just it, it is ultimately just the hegelian dialectic dividing and conquering yep. people for for the purposes of 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 the people that, that run things yeah i have a phrase as quo going and if you don't understand what i just said go on and google it <laughs> and if you're and if you're like me even if you're smart you're gonna sit back and rub your head and go what say it it's again gonna, sir because so everybody knows yeah the term is the hegelian dialectic if i'm pronouncing it properly just, you are. Go, just google it and, and you'll find out basically when you internalize and understand the term if you don't already things become a lot clearer as to why and how things are said and why the uninformed make the decisions they make. Oh, we'll get out of here with this. Uh, that was a good talk. We, um, one of the things I, I'll leave with this, I talk all the time to you guys who are clients of ours about um, 3M. And 3M always stands for three things, minting millionaire mindsets, and then mature minimalist methods. And then the last thing is me, me, me. And when it comes to mature, minimalist methods, we just got to stop not only each one of us individually, but as a society, this excessive consumerism of utter crap. Uh, remember my dad taught me years ago, you know, only a rich person can afford to buy something cheap. And I'm, I just remember dad, we were on a train. We were going from Milwaukee to Chicago and he was taking me down to his office in Chicago. It was one of his... Dad, dad taught me enough things, you know, with hands on. And he just remember him saying, you know, son, if, if you can only afford to buy one good suit, make sure it's a good suit that'll last you. And he talked to me about, you know, buy black or dark blue. And, and it's the same thing. He said, now, my dad always wore a, a, a tan, light colored trench coat. And remember when black trench coats started appearing on politicians, my dad was appalled because black was a color for the poor because it didn't show dirt. You could use your, your brush and you could brush your coat. But if it was tan, that was a sign of... stain as easily. Yeah, you had to get that dry clean. I mean, it was a, that was a big deal. And, you know, people just don't understand stuff like that anymore. Um, you know, which, we, is fun, which is just such a funny turn of events because if you know your, your history, you know that the reason the clergy... Historically speaking, in in Europe and other places, they wore black because, and you know, you see the same thing kind of like the Middle East. You mm -hmm. know, your imams are typically wearing black, and that was because those were people of high station 
position in life and they could afford black clothing. Right. Dark black clothing, like jet black clothing was, was reserved for the wealthy because the dyes were so expensive and they required so much dye because you didn't have the artificial dyes like you do today. So it's kind of funny. It's a funny turn of events that by the, by the, uh, by the early 20th century, you know, black was the color for, for the common man. And yeah, now it's you know now it doesn't really matter and any color can be had for anything. well if it's, if it's rainbow you're in that's for sure but the other thing i always talk about you know minting millionaire mindsets is something and of course millionaires is not have the same value as it used to have you know 30 years ago but i always say the same thing if if you state your names for example my name is paul truesdell and i'm a lifestyle business where business is a lifestyle that is a mindset. You you think, you live, you breathe business. And then the other thing 3M stands for is me, 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 which stands for you you have to be selfish. You you if you, you have to take care of yourself. If you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of somebody else. And so the me, me, me is there's who I was yesterday, there's who I am today, and there's who I am tomorrow. Now who I am tomorrow, I'm not locked into that based on who I am today or yesterday. But those things have a big influence on tomorrow. So you better make wise choices today because if you want to make a change tomorrow, it may be a hell of a lot harder based upon what you did today or yesterday. But the point being is you got to be selfish. It's about me, me, me. You got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of anybody else. You got a millionaire mindset. And really, you got to have a mature, minimalist methods. And, you know, Starbucks is a classic example. You go to any Starbucks on a, I don't know, Saturday, Sunday morning, look at the drive-thru. I mean, these these people, you know, they apparently nobody has a coffee pot. They are just going through and, I mean, it's coffee for God's sakes. I just, it's cool. Starbucks is a great place. It's a great place to socialize and all that kind of stuff. But the number of people who, you know, it's just... Well, most of these places, the drive-thrus are some of the big, bigger bigger business than the walk-up. I, I know, but it's coffee, for God's sakes. It's it doesn't, just doesn't matter. coffee. <laughs> what comes in must go out. Apparently, that, that's the same for money for most people. Okay. With that, we're out of here. Well, that does it for this episode of Connecting Dots. Thanks for joining me. I'm Paul Truesdell, and my co-host is also Paul Truesdell, my son. We're both with Fixed Cost Financial. This is the home of Fixed Cost Investing. Now, here's a few items to keep in mind. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and you can also easily join the podcast by going to dots.fm. That's dots.fm. You got to admit, that's pretty darn cool. And please check on the subscribe link. Now, Dots is also on most third-party players, such as Overcast, which is our favorite podcast player, or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Castro, Radio Public, Breaker, TuneIn, or CastBox. And when you listen to a third-party player, make sure to hit the like button and subscribe. It's greatly appreciated. Now, you can do us a big favor by helping spread the word by emailing, texting, calling, or just talking to family, friends, neighbors, relatives, and coworkers about well, connecting dots. And to contact us, go to the website, which is fixedcostfinancial.com. Use the blue intercom button or call 212-433-2525. That's 212-433-2525.